having some fun now, aren't we? Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine. So please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. I looked up gee willikers. Okay. It's old English used as an intensive after G or golly G to express astonishment, delight, etc. Also, G-man is a slang reference to FBI agents. It stands for government man. Uh, Anyway, it's got something to do with Machine Gun Kelly, who surrendered at one point in 1933, shouting, don't shoot G-men. Oh, okay. Although it's, it also says it is possible that, that that this is a fabrication. So we don't know if he actually said it or not. There you go. Okay. G. Right. Willikers. G. Willikers. Also, when she says par for the course, um, obviously it's, it sounds to me like a golf term. Yes. Yeah. Definitely a golf term. Got golf reference. So you're either over par or under par. Yeah. So I love when Maddie and David go into David's office and all the synchronicity, you know, that um, Sybil and Bruce do yeah. um, in these scenes and yes, how they look at each other and then quickly look back and they're shoulder to shoulder and yeah, repeating the dialogue that they did before, but just, you know, in a more like unbelievable way. Well, last night was par for the court, you know, a, a word, a piece of film, maybe. Yeah. Everything's duplicated. <laughs> Yeah. I counted that as a door slam as well when they come in. So that's 11. 11. Okay. I just want to say something about G woman in this scene. She Uh looks made up like a Barbie doll. I don't know. Her makeup is strange. I don't know whether it's too dark for her. The tone is too dark for her face, the shade. Uh Mm. But if you look at her, she's got, I don't know. She just looks like a Barbie doll. Yeah. I think yeah. all the makeup, like Sybil, just looks like she has eight, very eight, like frosted pink, the blusher, the, I don't know, some kind of eyeshadow. Yeah. Maybe it was a heavy makeup day. Mm. Agent Deja, Agent Vu, have we uh-huh. met somewhere That's before? Right. They introduce themselves and show their badges, asking them if anything unusual happened at the symphony. Uh, no, no, last night was par for the course. So they say that together. So their reason for asking is that, their agents were supposed to intercept some information from an informant who was sitting in the seat next to yours, but there was a ticket mix-up. We think you might have accidentally received the information. So that's when they say a word, a piece of film. So does that mean that the man sitting next to Maddie, the one he tells him go to go back to the nosebleeds, he uh-huh. must be the informant? Yeah, that he must have been one of them was supposed to uh, pass on some information during that show. Mm. I apologize, listeners, if you can hear my dog Dingleberry barking. But um, anyway. I can't, I can't hear Dingleberry. So. Yeah, I think it's mm. okay. So what was I saying? Yeah. So as soon as the G-woman says the same thing as the previous G-woman says, they realize that something is definitely wrong, that one of the teams is fake 
So mm-hmm. it, Maddie does the right thing and excuses them both and they go out into the outer office. And this is a classic scene mm-hmm. as well. I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Agnes. good. Two sets of people. What do I tell? From the same bureau. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. same story. Looking for the same thing. Either somebody is lying or the writers just Xerox the other scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, of course, yeah. in usual Maddie style, Shauna, she says, so what do we do? What do we do? Yeah, so this is this is great dialogue, the way this is written. It's so good. Where's the purse you had last night? I know. At home. No place like it. Let's go. What are you mm-hmm. saying? I'm saying we see if there is anything else in your purse besides petrified gum and a brush full of hair and if there is, we mm-hmm. don't trust who's behind door number one or door number two. We take it to the FBI ourselves. So door number one and door number two, what game show is that? Let's make a deal. Oh, let's make a deal. Okay, cool. Who's that the people in the same bureau? With the same story. Looking for the same thing. Either somebody's lying or the writers just Xerox the other scene. So what do we do? Where's the purse you had last night? At home. No place like it. Let's go. What are you saying? I'm saying we see if there's anything else in your purse besides petrified gum and a brush full of hair. And if there is, we don't trust who's behind door number one or door number two. We take it to the FBI ourselves. And of course, poor Agnes, she's petrified. She goes, what am I going to tell them? And she's got her hands crossed. <laughs> <laughs> And Maddie goes, tell him your life story. And David says, and take your time. Take your time. So what's he yeah. trying to say? Her life story is going to be really short. I think he's just saying, kill time. We need to go yeah. figure some stuff out, like stall them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> tell me your life story and take your time because we might be a while. I think that's what I got out of it. That's the 12th door slam. Oh my gosh. I love their faces in the office. I love like the second scene with the second set of G man and G woman and how Sidlin Bruce, you know, answer the questions and yeah, just everything is like deja vu, you know, exactly. That's what it is. Deja vu for them. It's like, they just had this conversation. The episode flows so well from, you know, we've got so much in here, right? It's like Maddie went on a date to like David and Maddie going on a date in the symphony and like all of the like mad cap things that happen to office slamming doors them fighting and then suddenly there's like a plot twist and they've got the fbi there and now they kind of have a case you know at first we didn't have a case now we have a case now we have um so that yes i love the second scene i love both scenes i love all the little references they slip in and the naughty little bits they slip in there and so i think they do a great job um i love the dialogue and yeah it's all good yeah, the comedic timing of the outside scene is amazing. I love it because they really just good. talk straight after each other. Boom, 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 boom. Everything uh, goes so fast. Yep. It's all such classic lighting. This is just such a classic episode. Yeah. I mean, mm. it's hard not to love who wouldn't love this episode. You know, sometimes we talk about, you know, someone who hasn't seen Moonlighting, what's a good episode to show them. This one's probably a great episode to show them. You know, it has all true. the classic Moonlighting beats, you know, and yeah. A little bit of sport, a little bit of fun, a little bit of romance, a little bit of symphony, you know, something for everybody. I'll just quickly tell you about the two good FBI agents. The female is Jan B. Daly, and she's mainly known for Hunter, Moonlighting, Good Night, My Love, and Love on the Run. But with him, his name is Tom McFadden. He's known for doing A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, Chicago Hope, The Winds of War, and Dallas. And he did many other TV shows. I'm trying to see if he did Glenn's shows. St. Elsewhere. Yeah, I can't see um, Remington Steel. So, yeah. So that's Tom McFadden. Next, please. Maddie's bedroom, the final frontier. <laughs> uh, We're up to the final frontier. I love it. <laughs> I, yeah. Which is a reference to what? Star Trek? That's from the yeah. TV show. Star Trek, yeah. It's like Star Trek, yeah. Mm. Um, I think Jerry Fenderman worked on Star Trek, by the way. Could be a reference to him. Yes, Um, he did. He did indeed. Okay. So now is this the first time that David's been up in Maddie's bedroom that we've seen? Well, he's in her powder room, not powder room. I know, but but her powder room is like behind her bedroom. Remember how we were talking? Like, remember in A Trip to the Moon? He's in the shower and she's, you know, getting ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they they walk into the bedroom. You have to walk through the bedroom to get into the powder room. That's true. You know? But they just don't show it. No, but he's up there. So I guess, I think it is. Yeah, because normally he yeah. to show him downstairs, don't they? It's not, he hasn't been up there. You're very true. Yeah, I you're think, right. I don't think he has. I think that's the first time he's been up there. 
Mm. And I love, of course, the part where he, you know, holds up her black negligee and says, For future reference, I really like this. Fine, you can borrow it any time. <laughs> little foreshadowing. <laughs> How good would it have been if she had worn that black negligee in their famous love scene? Uh, yeah, you said you wanted to see this, David. That's good for fanfic. Any fanfic writers out there, like, include that negligee, right? <laughs> you know, during that month that we didn't see, she may have worn it for him then. Now, I'm surprised you haven't said something about this scene, Shauna, right at the start. Right at the start? Yeah, of the scene. When they first walk in, he leaves the door open. Oh, he leaves the door open. No, I didn't. Now, I if you that. think the FBI is on your tail, wouldn't you lock the front door yeah. at least? <laughs> yeah, really. Shut the door. And they go up the stairs, the curvy stairs, spiral staircase, and into bad. They're rifling through her drawers. They're looking for her handbag from the night before mm-hmm. um, to see if there were any clues. A clue, a clue, a clue. <laughs> Maddie said she was so mad that she threw it in a drawer and she doesn't know where it is. And, of course, he yeah. has to mention her drawers again from, like, um, yeah. read the mind, see the movie. I always want to get into your drawers. And then he picks up the purse and he says, is this too busy for what I'm wearing? <laughs> and she's like, that's it. It's funny. But I love it when he says, i to tell you, so far it's a real letdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, in the reflection but... in the mirror, you can see there's drawers. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got a dresser. Mm-hmm. And there is a picture of Maddie above that. You know, I knew she had a picture picture of herself back there but yeah we, we don't see the statue that was there earlier you know what i mean we don't see so that might have been on the other entrance anyway just oh, okay. looking but maddie had a good comeback when she says um you know when he says i really like this fine you can borrow it any time in other words i'm not going to wear it for yeah. you exactly you wear it yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can borrow it anytime i know that is a good comeback so good all right, so they go through the bag. She calls out all the stuff that's in there, and then she says parking stub. And he's like, parking stub? Hang on. Mm-hmm. David says, we took a limo. And as I recall, you went home in a limo. So why would she need a parking stub? Which is true. Mm-hmm. And she yep. has a look. She's never been there. And Maddie says 117 Olympic mm-hmm. Boulevard. That's when I looked it up, and there is the parking structure there. It says CMC parking on it now. I don't know how old that is, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, yeah, it's interesting how he grabs her by the arm, though, to pick her up to say, we're going to Murray's parking. And she's like, no, she's adamant. No, we're going to the FBI. And boom, yeah. straight to the ticket guy clicking the on yeah. the clock. Parking. Yeah. I love the old yes. the old clock when people used to clock off work, you know, click. Yep. That was just great editing. From Maddie's house straight to Murray's parking. It's just the comedic timing of it made it funny. I know. It's like, who's going to win? David, we are not going to Murray's parking. We're going to the FBI. And then they, like that happens sometimes in next week's episode, uh, Yours Very Deadly, when, you know, she's like, come with me. And he's like, I'm not going. Come with me. And then he's like in the car with her. He's like, I had to come. We still have half an episode left. <laughs> That's right. So they, they have like little, you know, who's going to win out. So in this case, David won out. Yeah. And, you know, the next episode, Maddie wins out. So kind of keep it even. But like two days, $35 (laughs) sounds pretty reasonable. You know, $35 is a few hours, you know. Yeah, but not for 1986. That's a lot, don't you think? For two days? It probably is for two days. Oh, I don't know. $35, two days? That's like like parking at Melbourne Airport here for one hour. (laughs) Yeah, and... uh, Anyway, he's like, you pay him. You know, well, it shouldn't Maddie pay. It's her business, right? Why would David pay? I mean, he'd have to put in an expense report or something, you know? Mm. Yeah. I don't know why she's she's acting like it's coming out of their own pocket, like it's going to come out of Blue Moon, you know? Mm. Well, you know what? It's her date now. It's her fun date. She's got to pay up. That's what David says. But I like the parking attendant when he says, $35. He's just like, $35? And he's like, two days. (laughs) Two days. Yeah. So we know the car's been there for two days, ready for the bad FBI agents to pick it up. Oodles are fun for me. I've never stolen a car before. Stolen a car before. (laughs) So funny. So remember earlier when we were talking about the locations, it's called Murray's Parking. It says Murray's and then Auto Parks, right? It's like a circle. Mm Okay. Okay. So those auto parks, as they call them, are still there, but it's called Joe's Auto Parks, but it's the same sign. If you look closely, you can see that they've covered up Joe's with Murray's. Oh. Yeah. But 
So they say that Olympic Boulevard address, but that's not where they actually go. They go to oh, Parking okay. Garage Joe's Auto Parks. Oh, yeah, okay. on Grand Avenue. Right. Because I okay. looked up 117 Olympic Boulevard, which is what she said. Yeah. And it is a and parking is structure. A, okay. Well, Olympic Boulevard is a really main um, big street. Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, mm. David the, says, come on, let's buzz out of here. Yeah. And they're arguing about what they're going to do from mm -hmm. here. Go to the FBI or, or what? Yeah, so David's looking through the car, but he's yeah. disappointed because he says it's clean and what are we going to tell the feds? Arrest this car. It advocated the final and overthrow of our government. <laughs> the only way I can see this car involved in an international incident if there was a bomb in the trunk or something. So poor Maddie screeches yeah. to a halt and runs yeah. across the road, leaving David in the car, and that's clearly not her, but doesn't matter. He gets out casually and says, I leave you all my Sam Cooke records. Opens up the trunk and waits for it to explode, but it doesn't explode. But I love how he opens the boot. You know, it's like his mannerism. <laughs> okay, Shauna, have you noticed anything unusual about the car or something that's inside the car? <laughs> inside the car. Okay. At what point? Okay. So what I noticed was, when David says, you know, he thinks there might be a bomb in the boot, the car screeches to a halt. Um, Sybil runs out, leaves the door open, and there's a cut where you can see a piece of paper underneath the steering wheel. Now, I've never noticed that before. Now, it's unusual because it's underneath the steering wheel. It's not on the dash like they say they used to put the scripts. So I don't know whether it is a script or... No, I haven't noticed that. That's... Okay, hold on. Let me let me take a look here while we're... Let me see. <laughs> How funny. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny, Grace. Yeah, it's kind of like a bluish, kind of a bluish piece of paper. I mean, I've seen scripts and they're printed on colored paper and it looks like it has, you know, a large piece of tape on it. And it's, mm. but it, yeah, it's like under the steering wheel. Mm. Um, but maybe it was on the dash. And then for this wide shot, you know, they kind of, or maybe they would put them, somewhere underneath and tape them up and tape them down you know i don't know yeah it looks like it's uh it's a script definitely what else would it be and it looks like somebody's moved it or the stunt person's moved it to get out of the way or something and then when they've done the scene yeah. they've forgotten it's there it's very yeah. unusual yeah. i can't work out what it is it could only be a script surely i know gosh i wish we would have seen some of those in the beamer that would have been awesome to see their, their scripts <laughs> actually take <laughs> That's an eagle eye, Grace. I'm very proud of myself with that one. <laughs> I know. You're looking at every detail if you're noticing. Oh, my God. <laughs> the tape script to the, yeah. We're really getting, we're getting good at, like, spotting the uh, hidden in plain sight. Yeah, that's, that's cool, Grace. Good, good job. That's, uh, that's new. That's new to me. Why, thank you, my lovely. All right. Maddie runs back to him and they uncover two tickets to Argentina, a rifle, and maintenance uniforms to the Olympic Auditorium, as well as two passports yep. that belong to Bad G Woman and Bad G Man, which are the first team that arrived at their office. So David works out that they're fake agents and they need to car to get away and the planes get them out of the country and after they kill someone, whoever that might be. But at this stage, they don't know who that is. So Maddie says it's time to call the FBI. And he says... The FBI, why worry their little crew cut heads about this? We can handle it, Kimasabi. Now, is he talking mm -hmm. about Kimasabi, a term used by the fictional Native American sidekick Tonto as the Native American name for the Lone Ranger in the American television and radio programs, The Lone Ranger? Is that what he's talking about? I would guess. I don't know, I don't know for sure. I don't know. I just looked that up. I didn't quite. Yeah, but that's good. David. Time to call the FBI. The FBI? Why worry their little crew cut heads about this? We can handle it, Kimasabi. They're crew cut yeah. heads. <laughs> That's really good. I love that. I know. That is good. And now we know who the bad guys are. We're watching this for the first time and we didn't know. Now we know who the bad guys are. I've never seen bigger passport photos. <laughs> they really, you know, one of the audience know like these guys. Yeah. And I you think know? they gave you enough time to look to work out who the bad guys were. They had to make them big enough, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Never seen it so big. But yeah, definitely want to make it clear who's the bad guys at this point because audience is wondering. 
Yeah. And now here's a, another conveniently placed uh, phone booth. <laughs> now, can I just say something about this phone box? Yeah. Looking at the cut, it looks crooked to where the car is. So where they are, it's like they've placed the the phone box crooked so that it would be facing the car, but uh-huh. later obviously it's straight on the footpath. All right. Yeah. And also, did you notice after two when I'm going ahead of myself, but when the phone box falls down, uh-huh. halfway through the cut, the cut stops. Yes. Yeah. In the second half, it mm-hmm. falls right on the edge of the gutter. But on uh-huh. that first cut, if it had a fallen, it would have fallen over the gutter. It was moved too mm-hmm. far over. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I always think, because um, we see Sybil and Bruce for part of that fall and then it cuts and then it's probably the stunt doubles. That's right. Like, yeah, because that would have been pretty out, dangerous, yeah. I'd say. Oh, yeah. They end up on top of each other anyway. So yeah. That's such it's a great fun. scene. <laughs> Anyway, um, we're going ahead. But I like how they look up the phone number in the phone book for the FBI. <laughs> yeah. Going through all the Fs, FDIC, FDI, FDI. <laughs> yeah. And they're close together, so Shauna. They're close together. I know. And they've got their sunglasses on, you know, their classic yes. sunglasses, her big ones, his, yeah, yeah like uh, Ray-Bans. So Maddie um, says she wants to report an assassination plot, which in a few hours will cause an international incident. This is an emergency. I'd like to report an assassination plot, which in a few hours will cause an international incident. In the future, you can dial that number direct. The extension is 4603. I'll transfer you. You have reached the counterterrorism hotline. All our lines are busy right now. Please hold. Your call will be taken by the next available agent. This message will not be repeated. Thank you for supporting us, Moonlighting fans. We hope you are enjoying our episodes. And if you feel so inclined, Shauna and I would be very appreciative if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts so that we know we're on track with our content and continue to provide you with a great experience. So all of that is just so funny because it's just like calling a normal business. I want to report an international incident. It's like, in the future, you can dial that that number direct. You know, it's like, okay, how many times would you be calling for an international incident? <laughs> but even so, they've put them through to 4603 and they're still on hold. Yeah, you know I, I mean? know. Exactly. It's supposed yeah, to be. Exactly. International incident. Yeah, it's supposed oh, to be a, an emergency number. I know. That's also, Glenn, so funny. I love it. It's And then what's the uh, waiting music, Grace? The waiting music is Close to You by the Carpenters. Exactly. So Maddie and David are all squeezed together in there and they're playing, you know, close to you. And yes. I love how they, how they're like, wait, wait, you know, they totally act like a couple here mm. when they're uh, rifling through the uh, phone book and all of that. So yep. funny. It's a great scene. Very funny. Uh, oh, and, and that- they do the, uh, put their heads together like they do in, um, yeah. when they're in that um, sex booth in, uh, <laughs> What's, you know that's in a funeral for they, a doornail yeah and funeral for a doornail and at the beginning of um sun also rises right when they, they speak to his they, mom yeah so. they press their heads together it's great and yep david they're stealing our stolen car yeah so while they're on the phone you can see yeah. in the background you can hear a car pull up and then you hear a motor start and it's the bad agent stealing the car and the woman gets out of the car and closes the boot and takes their car. And the guy, you know, obviously drives off in his car. Because I was wondering where the guy was. Yeah. Then I realized, obviously, he's in the car behind them. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. They've stolen our stolen car. So they both try and get out of the phone booth and the door's stuck and it tilts over. And oh, that's a classic scene when it lands on its side. And the best line is, Having some fun now, aren't we? So she's giving him a fun time. She's like, uh. So he's he's got his fun day and not fun evening yet, but he will. Yeah, it's a classic scene. But what I want to know fun. is what's G Woman's involvement in all this? She's not really, she doesn't really do anything. I don't know. I suppose she needed the tickets that needed to sit at the, I don't know. I don't know. They both needed a ticket go. each. But anyway, let's move on. Okay, the beginning of the end. Um, we get to Olympic Auditorium. We have more moonlighting prop 
posters up in that writing, their recognizable writing. So we've got USA Boogaloo Brown versus USSR Ilya Gabinov, sold out. Yep. And they call it World War Three, and yeah, all of that. We see the marquee. They pan down, and Maddie and David are walking up to Olympic Auditorium. So he's holding her by the arm. So is this the actual location? Because I couldn't tell from photos yes. I was looking at. Yes, it, it is. is. Okay. It's the actual location. It's the marquee. Okay. That was there back in the day and all that. So yeah, they went to this location. They used it. They were filming there. Yeah. So lo and behold, guess who turns up? His friend, the scalper, there to save the day with two tickets to the boxing. Even the guy yeah, says, what are the odds? You, me, here? How are we going to get in? It's sold out. Hey, bud, would you look at this? What are the odds? You, me, here? Personally, I like a guy who doesn't limit himself to the planner odds. You know him? Casually. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, David asks how much. 40 apiece. You'll like these two. They're together. Maddie doesn't really react, but this is where she finds out that this is where he got the symphony tickets. Yeah, it's all kind of coming together. This is your evening. He makes her pay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's true. She's got to provide him with a fun night, doesn't she? Well, she doesn't think so, but he does. He keeps mm-hmm. insisting on it. Well, I think she succeeded, but anyway. So they walk inside and David, you know, they're getting patted down and they're getting um, the security's checking them. And uh, David asks why they have the extra security. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're getting they're free- talking about. Yeah. And the security guy says um, there's been threats against the Russian boxer, right? Yeah. That's why. And that's okay. when they realize that that's the assassination plot. But before that, yeah. I liked the physical comedy between the security guard and David because the security guard's looking away. David walks up and they end up face to face. Did you notice that? That's, that was oh, really funny. Oh, yeah, I like that. Just, and the, the guy turns around and, yeah, they're just kind of like face to yeah. face and he gets frisked. That is good. Good catch. And and then a classic line, so they're like the international incident. And then this classic line that could slip past people very easily. And you might watch it three, four times before you catch it. Where's the Russian dressing? In the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> I just got that. I didn't click. Oh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's asking, like, where's the Russian, you know, the boxer dressing room? Oh. And, and then he says oh. the Russian dressing in the kitchen. Oh so he's talking God. about Russian salad dressing. Ah, okay. Grace hadn't got that yet either. I'm sure some of you out there didn't. Honestly, didn't click. I just thought the dressing room was near the kitchen or something. I don't know. I wasn't even paying attention to that. That's hilarious. Oh, okay. the ru- yeah. Well, I was wondering why David didn't say Russian dressing room. Hmm. Well, yeah, they're trying to set up a joke there, I guess. You know, oh, Russian my- dressing. Oh my God. In the kitchen. Wake up, Grace. Wake up, Australia. <laughs> That's hilarious. Maddie and David head over to the Russian dressing room, and there's a group of people standing outside, so they know that they're not going to get in there. We better try explaining this in the American locker room. That's right. Okay. Now, I have a question. Yeah. They enter the American locker room, and her handbag has disappeared. Yes. As they're walking up. So she's got her, like we said, she purposely took her handbag out of the office because the next scene, they had to leave, and you know the handbag's been a part of it this whole time. But yes, as soon as they leave the Russian uh, dressing room, the handbag is gone. Like when she's walking up, yeah, handbag. I think actually, as soon as they enter the auditorium, she doesn't have it. I thought she had it when she came in, but um, no, I don't think so. no, it is. It's under her arm. It is under her arm. Oh, it is. She... Oh, I didn't see that. Yes, I it's just kind of like that. under the arm that you can't see as well. But then she kind right. of holds on to it. When they say the international incident, she has it under her arm. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I don't know if she has it outside the rushing dressing room. We can't really see that. Um, so maybe it's gone by then. So, yeah, probably any time that they're, like, inside here by the dressing yeah. room, it's gone. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, it's kind of funny. You know what this scene really reminds me of? Is it perfect? Not perfect. It's, um, what's the one with Jennifer Tilly, like, um, about all the pl- oh, plastic, plastic, fantastic lover? Plastic at the end when Maddie and David are like doing that thing where they're like walking together in sync, you know, and like taking large steps. Yeah. Okay. They're doing the same thing here. So they, how they walk in the door, they like slip in together. Yeah. And then they like walk together slowly towards him. It's funny. They are like, 
how are we going to go about this? Are we going to convince him? How can we tell him that there's going to be an incident, you know, blah, 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 and all that stuff. Yeah. As soon as I walk in, they put their backs against the wall. I know. Just kind of like they're slipping in, you know what I mean? And then they're like slowly approaching him like, Mm. David, this is Maddie Hayes, tonight's ring girl. You know what I mean? They're just kind of like. Tonight's ring girl. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. And I love how David says, this is going to sound like gibberish, which is hilarious because the guy talks gibberish <laughs> after that. But you got to help us. Your yep. fight has turned into a lot more than an exhibition. And the boxer goes, hey, bro. Mm-hmm. And David says, indubitably, this guy's taken a few trillion mm-hmm. too many shots to the head. And Maddie again says, yes. what do we do? And they both move their lips to the side. When they yeah, say that, yeah, get, what, that, what do we do? This guy's taking a few trillion too many shots to the head. What do we do? So what do we do? Yeah. Uh, and she's got a really frosty pink lipstick on. But yeah. Nice. Very pink. But anyway, do you know who this, uh, do you want to talk about this actor? This actor definitely is the right actor. So this actor who plays Muhammad Boogaloo Brown is Steve James. He's best known for To Live and Die in L.A., the Warriors, I'm going to get you sucker, and POW The Escape. There's not a lot of information on him. Interestingly, he was actually also a film buff and loved The Three Stooges, like Bruce did. Oh. Yeah, he was born in 1952, but unfortunately he passed away in 1993, so he died very young. Um, but that was Steve James. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of funny here. So David is kind of giving him a a test, you know, follow my finger kind of thing. And Maddie gets a big, huge weight and just whacks him over the head. It's like, are you not worried about killing this person? And then, of course, that kind of knocks some sense into him, right? And he starts uh, speaking in a very educated way. So um, it's so funny here because there's a shot where um, Bruce looks at the camera. Then he says the Boxing Commission wants a final check on the reflexes. Yep. And he, he says, blah, blah, something. And that's when... Bruce looks at the camera. The guy keeps talking gibberish. Then Maddie conks him yeah. on the head, thinking she'll knock him yeah. out. But of course, all of a sudden, he starts speaking some very educated talk. Because here we live, eats alone for big eat. And unless I miss my guess, my expectation is the Russian pugilist will attack tenaciously, no doubt from the outset. Of course, he'll be seeking an early conclusion to the enterprise. So David says, <laughs> hold that thought. And the guy makes a face to hold the thought. Uh huh. That is yep. so funny. So while he's got that dumb look on his face, I did notice that Maddie's not standing in the same place she was in the previous cut in this scene, in this mm-hmm. particular cut. So they both dong him on the head with weights and he collapses. And I love the sound of the cuckoo yeah. clock. <laughs> when he, when yeah. He down. <laughs> yep. How Maddie and David weren't charged with assault after this, I'll never know. Oh, yeah. Exactly. But I, but I guess they saved the day, so it was okay, you know? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yep. Mohammed Boogaloo Brown. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah. And yeah, then his manager comes in. Yeah, so Boogle is trying to he walks in and he goes, Hey, what's he doing? Hey, Slugger, let's go. And Maddie goes, he's yeah. taking a nap. Hey, Rip Van Winkle, <laughs> come on, man. It's time to rumble, man. The trainer is Ernie Lee Banks. He's best known for Mystery Men, Bullworth, 
1998, Life in 1999, and The Glass Shield in 1994. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2006, but he did the usual suspects TV shows. He also did a, a TV commercial for 1800 Collect in 1995. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So that's Ernie Lee Banks. That's um, Boogaloo's trainer. So if anybody doesn't know who Rip Van Winkle is, it's a short story by the American author Washington Irving, first published in 1819. It follows a Dutch-American villager in colonial America named Rip Van Winkle who meets mysterious Dutchmen, imbibes their strong liquor and thence falls deeply asleep in the Catskill Mountains. He awakes 20 years later to a very changed world, having missed the American Revolution. That's why he calls him Rip Van Winkle. Because yes. he's sleepy, boys. Yep. So then they conk the poor trainer on the head as well. Yep. David hits him over the head with the bucket and mm. he's out. And then they steal their clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though. In the real life, that boxer would have had an entourage around him. So that's funny. David becomes Boogaloo and Maddie becomes his trainer. They put their clothes on and they pull everything over their face so the crowd can't see and they make their way through the crowd. And, uh, it becomes very slapstick, very stooges, this whole last bit, including David, you know, falling into the ring and so many funny lines and things. And yeah, the, just the interaction between Sybil and Bruce here, uh, Maddie acting as <laughs> Oh, gosh, you know, just like the Russian boxer. He just looks so big. He's sitting down. Yeah, it's really and, funny. Uh, the first thing I've written here is the scene goes for about 10 minutes. Pretty long mm-hmm. scene. Yeah, And it's a great epic scene. And I've put here that they're really showing off their budget now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they've got auditorium. They've got a crowd. They've got impersonators. They've got Don King. Yeah. A spoof of Rocky. Yes. Russian boxer. Yeah. Yeah. Balboa Drago fight in Rocky Four, which was in 1985. The final boxing match between David and the Russian mirrors the Balboa Drago fight and the Rocky Anthem can be heard. And there's a Stallone lookalike cheering David on, which I'll tell you who that is. That impersonator is Jade Roberts. And he was an impersonator of Sylvester Stallone, Rocky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Rocky thing, Gonna Fly Now, that's what it is. Pretty amazing song. It really, really suited Rocky's victory. Yeah. Yeah, pretty tall bastard. <laughs> Six foot seven or something that Don King says later. It was good how they did it, how Maddie said he's sitting down and he goes to stand up and the camera ends up at his stomach and really well yeah. done. Yes. Maddie does a really good job in this to buck David up, to give him the confidence to go out there and do what mm-hmm. he's got to do and try and talk to the Russian. Unfortunately, he doesn't realise mm-hmm. that the Russian obviously doesn't speak English. But Yeah, I know. David's thinking... He doesn't really have to fight the guy. He just has to go out there and talk to him and explain what's going on. That's their mm. whole point in being there. Yeah. But the guy doesn't quite understand. And, you know, the guy is made of steel. Basically, he's just like a mountain of a man. And he punches his um, fist together and it's like, click, clank, click, clank, you know, like mm. two bits of metal. And, yeah. yep, nothing is working out how David thought. But you're right. Maddie is really cheering David on and like, come on, David. You know, talk to him. And yeah, she's right there with him, like great partner. And everyone's booing. I don't know if Don King always said this at the beginning of each fight, but I like what he says. Mr. Don King is doing his part to bring peace to the world through fights. Fights. Peace to the real world through fights. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, I like that. So he introduces the boxer and everyone's booing. Um, he says he had 110 wins and no losses and so many knockouts and he introduces him as <laughs> Ilya Ivanovich Gabinov. Then he introduces the blue corner, Muhammad Boogaloo Brown. And then we mm-hmm. see the referee who was in the Rocky movies, Lou Filippo. I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody recognises yeah. him. But he was mm-hmm. in Rocky, Rocky 2, Rocky 3 and Rocky 4 as the um, referee. Uh, yeah. He didn't do much more. He did Fantasy Island, uh, the A-Team, and that's about it. So that's mm-hmm. Lou Filippo. He's the referee. Yeah. So that, so that was a good guys. get to get him. Yep. Same guy. Yep, they got the yeah. referee. They got Don King. They got the Rocky impersonator. Yes, they 
just all one big spoof of Rocky Four, um, which mm. is a lot of fun, especially at that time. Very popular movie. Mm. Yeah, they've got the crowd going. In the beginning, David keeps trying to leave. Like twice he tried to leave the um, the ring and Maddie keeps pulling back in. <laughs> and then their plan is like, oh, you know, she's like, just talk to him, explain, you know, whatever. Yeah. So but I like how when he first gets in, he goes to get in and he gets all tangled and he falls down. And <laughs> so, funny. Yep. so funny. I like how Don King comes up to him and says, hey, huh? you look a bit pale. What's happening, man? Got hold of some bad roast beef. And then Don King walks away and says, Don't look like no boogaloo to me. Yep, know what's going on, but hey, let him fight. David becomes very stooges and like, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> dancing yeah. around and yeah, just kind yeah. of like twisting his and, loved hands. Yeah, and David and crawls between his legs and then there's the scene where yeah. he's hitting him and he's just going against the against the ring, boom, 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 the whole time. Yes. He's hitting yes. him in the head. Yes. Very, very slapstick, gets, stooges, everything. And he gets but, knocked out of the ring. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> After a bit of desperation, Maddie goes over to Don King and says, Mr. King, please, Kavanaugh's going to be killed. I admire your courage and confidence, but your boy has to hit him first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. David still persists, telling him that there's a gun pointed at him and hugs him. So he keeps hugging him and then the referee's pulling David by the ankles. It's just it's just mm-hmm. total farce, mm-hmm. ridiculous. It's so good. Maddie yeah. gives him some water, but he's got nowhere to spit it. So, of course, mm-hmm. Gabinov hits him in the stomach and he squirts him. all over his face. You yeah. wouldn't have that now with COVID yeah. and everything, would you? <laughs> oh. uh, probably not. And in the and, meantime, Grace. Yes. He- the Russian sniper is preparing his weapon. It cuts to him now, yeah. So he's getting, with scary music, upstairs in the catwalk, he's getting his rifle ready, puts it all together. So David turns to Maddie. He goes, Maddie, get a picture of this, will you? He turns back and um, Gabinov gives him a great right hook. Mm. I think it's a right hook. I don't know what it's called. I'm not a boxing fan, but there you go. Which places David going right through the air, over the ring, onto the judge's table. Now, David looks at the typewriter, which I love, by the way. What a great old typewriter that was. And says to the guy, there are four O's in Boogaloo. Yeah. Now, when he goes back to get into the ring, did you see how Maddie's pushing him by the ass? She's like she's pushing his bum and having a good feel. Don't you reckon? I know. She's all over his ass. Yeah, she keeps like... (laughs) Pushing and pushing and you know, pulling him up by his butt. <laughs> really getting in there. Yeah, she's all over him mm. in this episode. And then she carries him you know, later and sticks him in the ring. And yeah, a lot of physical comedy. Yeah. A lot of funny stuff. You can now go to coffee.com slash moonlighting the podcast. That's ko-fi.com slash moonlighting the podcast. And buy yourself a door slam. Yes, that's right. A door slam. Some devoted Moonlighting fans have contacted us since we began this project to find out how they can support us. As you are well aware, Shauna and I do this with great joy and we have so much fun creating this podcast every week and interacting with you guys on social media and via our fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com email. So we would be ever so grateful for any small donation that you can make. Maddie would be proud. Now, there's an interesting part here where... Maddie gets a brainwave to go and ring the bell to end the um, round. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she crawls underneath the boxing ring, gets to the ring, pulls it, and there's a strange reflection in the bell. Yeah. Have you noticed it? Well, I think it's intentional that the guy who's supposed to be ringing the bell at the end of the round is not over yet. So he reacts like, hey, kind of oh, like, hey. Okay, yeah, because it's a yeah. guy with glasses and a, a white shirt and a tie, and he sort of jolts uh-huh. looking at the bell. Yeah. I thought that was a good shot. I'd yeah. never noticed that before. Yeah, yeah, that is a good shot. Now David realises that the Russian doesn't speak English, so she takes him back up. It's now the last round, and David says things aren't looking very good for the USA. But I love how Maddie throws him back in like a somersault. Flips him by the legs. I know. And when he flips over the ropes and lands, it, it's really David. I mean, it's really Bruce. It is. Yeah, he did you that. Know? Yeah. yeah. He like lands on his back. It's like, geez. I yeah. Hope. yeah. Crazy. It's very physical, this whole thing. Yeah. The whole thing is, it's amazing. It's really well done. 
So David has decided to run. He wants to leave. He wants to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And this is where yeah. she makes her big speech. How can you think that? I didn't bring my bike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is where Maddie gives him a great pep talk. The roles are reversed here, Shauna. Roles are reversed. Yes. This is much more bigger than saving his life. If we fail here today, the whole American way could fail. The very way of life that made this the greatest country in the world. Then I love this part. Maddie puts her hand on David's shoulder and says, Did John Paul Jones say give up the ship? Did Douglas MacArthur say I won't go home again? In fact, don't you see? This is the kind of challenge that real Americans love most. The kind that forces you to dig deep down inside and find out what you're really made of. And I know you, David Hepson. I know you made Oven for greatness. You can do it, David. For him, for us, for America. You really think so, Maddie? If you won't listen to me, listen to him. And then that's where you see the Rocky impersonator say, You, David, go for it. But this is really sad because you won't see him for a few seconds and he would have had to get all organised, get all dressed, and they would have lathered him up because you could see the shine on his shoulders and, and he's just there for three seconds. It's like that poor yeah. guy in um, in God We Strongly Suspect. He was in like two seconds. <sighs> that frustrates me, seriously. Yeah, he's all around that, but he, yeah. David's all pumped up now and he's all motivated and he puts that face on that he does in Womb with a View. Don't you reckon the baby face? He does. No? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking of another, yes, you're right. He does put that baby face on. And then at the end, uh, after he gets punched and he rolls backwards, yep. he kind of has a face like from another episode. And you hear the birdie yep. sound effects when he falls down. Yes. His face looks familiar from another episode too where he, I forget where, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it's funny how we see these like facial expressions or, you know, the way that they do something, like how they walk together that just, you know, we see in another episode. We know the show so well, we just see these little like glimpses and we're like, ah, that's like from Womb, you know. Yes. Just little expressions. Mm -hmm. It reminds us of another episode. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Little expressions and little movements. Yeah. All right. Maddie's angry now, Shauna. Yep. She's very mad. And you know what? A mad Maddie. You know, Maddie knows how to punch. So really, (laughs) she should have been the boxer in this one. Well, you know what? She's had a lot of practice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She's got a mean right hook and a left slap. You want to fight? Come on. And she's jumping around. You think you're so tough. And then she touches him. He touches her. And actually, at the beginning, she calls him a big ox. Did you notice that? Yeah. And then he touches her. You'd hit a girl. And then she turns to the spectators. He hit a girl. And everybody's going, you know. (laughs) And they're all booing. So she's so mad. She punches him down below. And then uh-huh. gives her a great uppercut, which throws him down. I don't know if that's an uppercut, by the way. I just thought I'd, right? Yeah. Good Whatever shot, it is. though. Yeah. She got him right in the right place. <laughs> yeah. Two, two good shots. And both David and the Russian boxer are down. And the sniper's job. After all the planning and all of the preparation, <laughs> he takes one shot, misses. It's like, really? This is their best guy? Hits the tail. <laughs> Hits the bell. <laughs> He's not the best sniper in the world. Put it that way. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, Terrible. I mean, he decides I'll to shoot, nothing. and fortunately, it hits the tin can and then ricochets onto the bell, which alerts everyone that there's a gunman in the auditorium. So Don King comes out and tells everyone he's up in the catwalk and to seal off all the exits and close down the building. So people start rushing onto the ring. But I don't see any of the Russians' entourage. They don't seem very concerned. It's only the police and security. It's so good when Don King pulls up her arm as if she's won the fight. You were great, baby. (laughs) And Maddie smiles. I know. And, of course, he wants the options to her next three fights and cable and syndication rights. You were great, baby. I want the options on your next three fights plus the cable and syndication rights. (laughs) It's just typical of what Don King would say. It's so good. Yeah, it's good. And Sybil's hair is like, Maddie had it like in a straight poop, just down. You know, you can kind of see the layers cut into it, just down and natural before they do anything to it. Yeah, I love it when she takes yes. her cap off. It's all 
It's just beautiful, natural, flat. She looks it's cute. Natural. Yeah. Why can't they just leave it like that? I'll always ask that question. I know. Mm. But, you know, the whole time Don King is holding up Maddie's arm, she's just like turning because she wants to run to David. Yep. She just ignores what he says. She just turns around and runs to David. Yeah. But as she does that, Don King says out loud, which is a term he phrased because oh, okay. he got all that success. He said he wouldn't have been able to do that in another country. True. That's what I heard anyway. Yeah. So she goes over to him very concerned. Are you all right? And what does he say? <laughs> Are we talking fun evening or what? Are we talking fun evening or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and what does she say? Oh, Nothing, baby. What no, she Grace. She says, "Oh, baby." I didn't hear that. And she touches his face. Grace, yes, Grace. This is like yeah. the the best ending ever. I've never heard that. I can't hear that. No, did she say what? that? No, I've never heard it. Yeah, she like she like touches his head and says, "Oh, baby." Want me to play it for you I now? Was, I was wondering why it ended like that. Because I thought, oh, we have let's the fun. But, and then she just touches his face and. Let's hear it. Hold on. Are we talking funny evening or what? <laughs> you hear it? No. She says, oh, baby. Oh, she must say it over what he says. That's why I can't hear it. How can you hear that? She says well, it while he's saying that, though, doesn't she? She says it after. It's very faint. Is that in the script? Mm, nope. I think Sybil added it in. Yeah, I think that was a Sybil ad. Hmm. No, never heard it. So I'm going to have to go back to the DVD and have a quick, have a good listen. That's that's very good. I didn't know that. I'm glad she did say that. That's fabulous. It's so cute, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He got his fun Bye. evening out with Maddie, Shauna. <laughs> I don't know how fun it was for him, though, in the end, getting beat up and everything. Maybe, yeah, maybe David would think it was fun. Well, I'll tell you what, it turned out to be much better than the evening he gave her. <laughs> it was pretty eventful. Yes, that is true. I think he had fun. I think you're right. Yeah. To be honest, I always thought this scene was too long. But, yeah, I thought it just went too long. But you know what? If I was them, I think they really got good production value out of it. And you know what? I guess they were there. While we're here, let's make the most of it. Yeah. And they're showing off their budget at the same time. <laughs> I think yeah. it's great. I think it's great now. Yeah. Yep. It's really an action-packed episode. There's always something something going on, and it's so fast. I rewound this episode so many times. I wish I had a dollar for every time I did. You've got the appearance of the temptations, and then you get Sybil yeah. being a really good sport doing the dance at the start. David's setting up his betting system again, wagering about, who her date was. Again, we had international intrigue and Maddie and David taking each other out on unconventional dates. Some great guest stars. We had a lot of stars in this episode. And a lot of the scenes were on location. So it would have been a pretty hard episode to produce. Mm-hmm. And Sybil and Bruce are in a lot of scenes together, which I really, I love that. And it's an epic end scene. And again, I want to um, give a shout out to Neil Mandelberg because the editing in this was was just terrific. I loved it, especially for the continuity in the episode. Just to add a little tidbit, Neil Mandelberg was nominated for Outstanding Single Camera Picture Editing for a Miniseries or Movie for The Temptations um, in 1999. So that's a little bit of a reference as well. So he got to work with them again. Yep. What do you think, Shauna? Yes, great episode. I mean, season three um, is where they hit their stride. And this is, I mean, each episode, just one after the other, gets better and better. It just is the epitome of moonlighting, all of the overlapping dialogue, the door slamming, the fighting, the plot, the romance, the boxing. Yeah, there's just so much in this one episode. I mean, it's It's all in one package. Yeah, it's amazing. They packed it all in. Um, Mm. Like you said, starting with the Temptations, ending with Don King and a Rocky lookalike, you know, in a spoof of a Rocky movie. And I mean, you can see why they got so tired and everything, all the dialogue, mm. all they were in, Patty and David were in just about every scene. Yes. They were not giving them any breaks here. Season three, it's like, nope, people tune in for you and you're going to be in every scene. Yeah. We'll give you a break with the DePesto episode eventually, but yeah, you're going to be in every scene. So, and yeah, just one of the funnier ones. It just really showcases comedy and great writing, great editing, great innuendo great great costumes 
yeah, costuming, yeah, everything, everything great. So, ten out of ten episode, terrific. With Don King, he's been in a few TV shows and so forth, but in the majority of them, he played himself, except in uh, Miami Vice, he played Mister Cash. But it's very interesting. He's been to quite a few things, but he he was always um, playing himself. Okay. So that's Don King, famous boxing promoter, I guess you'd call him. Yes, so, yeah. yeah. All right, Shauna, is this episode in your top ten? Absolutely. Such a language. You never hear me speak like that. <laughs> My nose is growing. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely is, Grace. Is it in your top ten? Believe it or not, no, it's not. It should be. Oh, okay. Now that I've actually reviewed it in extreme detail, yeah. it should be. Yeah. But unfortunately, okay. no, it's not in my top ten. But I love this episode. Shocked me there. Okay. I've shocked you, have I? Yeah, hmm. a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, there's no right or wrong answer. I just thought it would be in your top ten. Hmm. Such a classic moonlighting. But obviously you've got other favourites in mind. So you know, someday I can't wait to hear the whole list. I know that there is a couple of our Moonies that have um, set up their top ten. So it will be interesting to see the comparisons between you, me and them. It's now time for Moonlight Mail. So Moonlight Mail. We have one from Melissa. She sent us a message over Instagram at Moonlighting the Podcast. If you're not following us on Instagram, our Instagram is at Moonlighting the Podcast. And Melissa sent Grace and I a message over Instagram. So she says, I got caught up on the podcast and noticed that Shauna noticed that Maddie seems to be driving more than David and she prefers that David drive. LOL. Anyway, I thought I would comment on my theory as to why that was. I think the scenes that Bruce has more dialogue, he tended to not drive because it's easier uh, to look like you're driving when you're not focused on what you have to say. David usually has more lines than Maddie. Sybil spends a lot of time reacting to the things David says, so she didn't have to read the cue cards as much. That's my theory about why she ended up driving more. It also may have been that she drove more because it was her car. LOL. Who knows? Anyway, if you want to share that theory on the next podcast, when the topic comes up, feel free. Hope all is well. Melissa. Well, the topic doesn't need to come up to talk about the driving because, yeah, that happens a lot in the episodes, right? Uh, Maddie was driving the car. The stolen car. Yes. Yeah. Well, I suppose yeah. it was it was her date, so yes, they made her drive. <laughs> I think that was the only time we saw them in the car this episode, right? Yeah. They didn't even have a lot of car scenes. Yeah, you know? that's interesting. Yeah. Well, and Bruce really had to work on this one. They sure did. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Melissa, for your message. Send us a message. Yeah. You know, you can always email us at fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. You can send us a message on at Moonlighting the Podcast or join our Facebook group, fans of Moonlighting the Podcast. Thank you, Melissa. That's great. We got an email. This is late last year. I'm sorry. We're really behind on our on our emails. If you haven't heard your email being read out, we'll get to you. This is from Sophia. Uh, Dear Grace and Shauna, firstly, thank you so much for your pleasurable podcast. Thank you. It's very nice. David Addison would have been proud. And in brackets, don't you just love to imagine him thanking you? Yes, that would be nice. <laughs> I have a long history with Moonlighting and having come off Talking Sopranos and the West Wing Weekly, fellow West Wing and Crazy Frasier fan here, Grace, I love it. I was looking into other TV series podcasts. There aren't that many I adore enough to listen to three hours worth of scrutiny, so I was thrilled to find yours. And thank you, Shauna, for your music videos and the light and kiss in Tracks of My Tears on YouTube. They're a real treat. I'm a half English, half Russian millennial living in the UK. The reference in The Murders in the Mail you were wondering about is this guy reads Russian Stalin, Stalin taking his time or beating a deadline. That said, I'm not sure if it means he reads Stalin whilst taking his time, or if it's a comparison to Stalin taking his time. Anyway, as per your request, advance apologies for my long-windedness, here is my story with Moonlighting. I discovered the show from some will-they-won't-they they TV couples list. I'm a novelist who has been founding stories on the premise of that theme since age 10. 
I first watched Moonlighting in 2013 as a 20-year-old back when the DVDs were cheap. But I was all wrapped up in CJ and Toby's never-to-be relationship in the West Wing, which inspired my work and completely beclouded my intake of Moonlighting. I became fond of the series and remembered, I'm curious, Maddie, dream sequence and not liking the fifth season, but that was it. Flash forward to September 2022, and I'm a novelist who's just founded her own imprint looking for another way to fund the publication and promotion of my works. I tutor French and Latin to high school students, many of them Chinese students, Shauna, and decided to sell many DVDs. I'd put off selling Moonlighting for so long just because I loved the covers so much. But I forced myself to sell the last two seasons, which I now regret. I ended up buying season four again for £30 on eBay having sold it for the same sum. I wondered whether or not to sell the first two sets, but decided to check them out first. To be honest, it's been rough lately and I wasn't really in the mood for screwball. I knew David and Maddie only did it in the third season, so I didn't pay that much attention to the first two. I got hooked in season three when things became more serious and sentimental. At the same time, my 85-year-old father died and I felt pretty wretched. To my surprise, I fell in love with season four. Bruce Willis stole my heart completely with his speech to Maddie's dad. I loved the suspense over when she would finally come back. I'd read before about her marriage to Walter and agreed with Shepard that this was ridiculous. When I finally watched it unravel in tracks of my tears, I was shockingly taken and fully absorbed. I loved that episode. To me, David and Maddie's actions became giant over-exaggerations of reality. I found enjoyable and operatic. I'm also a classical music critic in brackets. They were Shakespearean. They seemed so moonlighting and I loved Maddie Hayes Got Married as well. I'm a staunch season four defender and believe it doesn't get enough credit. Before you think me loony, I shall clarify that I hate season five. (laughs) I think think Shauna's with you on that, love. I can't believe what it is. I just watched Lunar Eclipse and thought it was the worst episode of the whole thing, despite having loved the broken fourth wall in all other installments of Moonlighting. I rarely write features on film and TV, but am sometimes inspired to do so. Seeing that Google didn't even understand me when I looked for essays on the gem that's Moonlighting, I wrote a pretty giant manifesto on it. I'm extremely indebted to you and Scott Ryan's book and to your interview with Scott for its existence. As I state at the start of the article, and she's got a link there to her article, to you it's probably repetitive as you know all this stuff, but I've never met a single soul who's heard of it. So I was forced to introduce the basic premise. I'm not on social media, so I have no other moonlighting aficionados to share this with. It probably won't pique your interest much, but if you'd like to know what an enthused fan of the fourth season has to say to praise the controversial choices of Glen Karen, scroll down to the paragraph beginning, Moonlighting is is art, subtextually doubling life. You probably hear from thousands of fans from all over the world, so thank you so much for continuing to ask us to send in our stories. It is so very lovely to connect with Moonlighting Adorers. Looking forward to more and more episodes. My warmest best to both of you for the holidays. Sorry, it was holidays because it was back late last year. Well, thank you, Sophia, for your email. It's lovely to hear from a fellow author and also a West Wing fan as well as a West Wing Weekly podcast fan and also a Frasier fan. I don't know whether you listen to the Frasier podcast. There's quite a few, but there's one particular that I listen to. And I'm still going through it at the moment. So I hope you're listening to a Fraser podcast as well. Yes, Shauna's videos are wonderful. I hope everybody's checked them out. You can view them on our Moonlighting the Podcast YouTube channel. And I'm so glad you got your DVDs back. Don't you hate it when you sell something and you just totally regret it? (laughs) Yes, it's a little sad. I mean, seriously, once season four ended, I don't think it was ever the same. There are some okay episodes in there, but unfortunately, um, season five was never going to be as good as the first three seasons. So, But thank you very much for your email. Glad you took the time to write us a detailed email about your moonlighting story, and we will definitely check out your works. Uh, looks like you've given us the link here for your article. 
And it's unfortunate that you don't have social media and somebody to (laughs) talk about moonlighting, but you can always email us and talk to Shauna and I about moonlighting. That's not a problem. So anyway, thank you, Sophia, for your lovely email. Yeah, we're glad you found us. If you don't have anyone else that you know that's part of the show or or watches it or listens to the podcast, so you've always got us. There are some okay episodes in season five, but yeah, yeah. I'm not, yeah, there's a couple episodes that are okay. Hmm. Did I tell you one the other day I was watching? There's one really good one in that, in season five. Remember the other day I said it's such a good episode? Oh, it was, I see, I see England, I see France. That's uh, hilarious. Underworld. That's with the dead guy. That's a great, yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is such a good episode. Yeah. That would have been, there are some shining moments in mm. season five, but. Once you get to When Girls Collide, forget it. Yeah, and then there's only three left after that. So The very end is just ridiculous. I don't even Take My Wife was pretty good. watched mm. that recently. Now, I don't hate all of season five, but yeah, definitely When Girls Collide is not good. Season four is, mm. is pretty good. But. The moonlighting stats for this episode, we had 12 door slams, we had one feet out of the elevator, and we had five outfit changes. So the accumulated stats, Shauna, so far... We have 15 feet out of the elevator. We have eight Bruce singing. We have 18 Agnes rhymes. And we have 158 outfit changes so far. Drum roll, please, Bruce. Dun, 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 dun. We have 110 oh. door slams. Wow. <laughs> yep. We're over 100 door slams now. Yeah, it's so exciting. So that is amazing, 110 door slams by Symphony in Knocked Flat. And it's probably the second highest door slam episode. Let me check. No, Sleep Talking Guy had 12 as well. Uh, My Fair David had 14. Yeah, My Fair David is definitely the highest. Uh, Bride of Tupperman had 11. So, yeah, so we're up to 110. That's exciting. Okay. What's next week's episode, Shauna? Next week's episode is the wonderful Yours Very Deadly, where Curtis Armstrong joins the cast. Yes. So I'm very happy about that. Curtis is on board. However, he's not credited in this episode, which I'm not happy about. Oh, really? No. It's weird. But he has a great scene with Agnes (laughs) at the start. Yeah. The very first scene together and they're naked down the desk. They're all over Um, each other. Another great episode with another crooked husband, but we'll get to that next week when we talk about Yours Very Deadly. All right, Grace. I'll see you then. Bye, everyone. Bye, Moonies. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting Moonlighting the Podcast. Podcast.